0: Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. He is Saeed Jones. It is Friday. Thank the Lord Jesus. Hmm. And you are watching am to dm Hey. <laughs> we are back! From Las Vegas,
1: we we're in Vegas basically all week for CES and a girl is feeling rough. I'm not even going to lie to <laughs> you. I am so jet lagged. You are too. Yeah, like here's the thing. It's I want to be I want to <laughs> be
0: real about a couple things. One, it's a 3-hour delay, but I think something about having a morning show, we're yes. so used to waking up early, going to bed early that being three hours behind for
1: that, and I'm, I'm jet-lagged, too. And, and just any kind of change. It's just a lot. But it is Friday. Um, here's the thing. Vegas, you know, it, w- it was my first time there. Mm-hmm. We were there for CES. It's a tech conference, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Uh, I haven't seen gay people for days. Um, <laughs> it was <sighs> weird. Vegas is weird. So how do you feel about it? Do you feel like, are you pro-Vegas? Are you... Pro I, Vegas, or you- I mean, I liked our hotel. We stayed at the Cosmopolitan. It was very nice. Mm-hmm. It was very beautiful. And, you know, um, but we also like only, I did not want to see much of Vegas. We crossed one street. We, we crossed <laughs> one street. Yeah. Like we did not We did not really leave our block. That's true. And the other thing is, I am very allergic to secondhand smoke. Like I get a sinus infection like immediately when I'm around it and like all of Vegas is just secondhand yeah, smoke. Yeah, listen, I get it. You want to hold on to those Frank Sinatra days, but smoking indoors,
0: I really wish they would, let go of that. Yeah, yeah. I personally like. I like Vegas. You like it's a fun town. That. Here's the other thing. I just want to be very clear. We were there for work. All right. I like. I know everyone oh, out here probably yeah. thinking we were. I was mm-hmm. in bed by like 10 p.m. Most, most nights. Most nights around nine. Kind of because of that jet lag. Yeah. But like. Yeah. Kind of yeah. because Las Vegas intimidates me. I get worried about gambling. I feel like I'm one of those people,
1: like, the second I roll the dice, my whole life will be ruined. Yeah, I still haven't gambled. It hasn't we, happened. No, I will say, say this, and I know if you follow Twitter on this, you saw his, like, you know, 60-tweet thread about this, <laughs> um, but we got to go to the Fancy Taco fancy Bell. Fancy
0: Taco Bell! It's my favorite thing in the world. It's called Taco <laughs> Bell Cantina. Now, here's what I learned, though. Uh-huh. All right? The, I think it was, like, the first one. It was a test one. It was in okay. Las Vegas. You can
1: buy booze there. I've that's, been that's the cop- there
0: before. Okay. I've done it. Done it like two years ago, but you can buy booze at Fancy Taco Bell. I brought Saeed because I like to share things with my best friend that I love. He told me he loved it too. I have a feeling he was lying, but he was Uh, lying for my sake, which I really appreciate. You can get married at this Fancy Taco Bell. It is, (laughs) if you are in Las Vegas, the one thing not to miss, a Fancy Taco Bell. And then, this is just an (laughs) epilogue, I found out they have them here in New York.
1: After all of that, y'all. I'm After going to fancy Taco today. That. Oh, my God. Well, let's take it to the timeline, friends. What do you think about Las Vegas? Is it a yay or a nay, a stay away for you? <laughs> um, if it yay, yeah, you know, share some of your juicy stories. I, I have to admit, I'm a little disappointed. I don't have a scandalous Las <laughs> Vegas. Like, I genuinely do not have a scandalous Las Vegas story. We
0: were on a work trip. That's a good
1: thing. Fair. Good spin. All right. Well, let us know using the hashtag am 2 Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas! I'll <laughs> tell you this though: on the ride home, coming back at on like a 6 a.m.
0: flight as oh we God, did yesterday, um, I talked to a lot of TSA agents, mm. and I would be like, "Hey, I always try to be kind. Listen, mm-hmm. going through an airport's never fun. How are you doing?" And more than one of
1: them were like, "I'd be doing a lot better." if I was getting paid. Yeah, and I honestly, and shout out to you, Lily. You say you're living for my mood, so thank you. I stand (laughs) in solidarity. I just saw this tweet from Yashar Ali. Air traffic controllers are getting their first shutdown pay stub, $0. Yeah, I mean,
0: everyone in the federal government is. The shutdown is truly starting to affect everyday citizens, not just federal employees, but those of us that, like, have to travel and do other things. So here's a tweet from one Dalton Tanhill. Hey, Donald Trump. Some weirdo in Texas has my social security number right now, but thanks to your government shutdown, I'm unable
1: to file a fraud and identity theft report. Some assistance would be much appreciated. I know this is not be funny, but it's like the shutdowns impacting people who are trying to fly, and people who are trying to fuck. Here's some more context from BuzzFeed News tech reporter Nicole Wynn. This is a story about, one, falling for a grinder sugar daddy Mm. scam, happens to the best of us, Dalton. And two, what to do if you are impacted by a data breach or identity theft, hello, during the shutdown and can't report it to the FTC. All right, Nicole joins us now. Good morning, Nicole.
2: Good morning.
0: Okay, so this story is wild it's got from start to finish. I also like that he just, like, asked the president for, like, a little... He was like, he's like, if there are no federal employees, I'm going to go straight to the top. Hey, Mr. President, can you help me out with this? Uh, but so I wanted to ask you, Nicole, who is this man and what happened?
2: So Dalton is a 23-year-old man from Arizona who, like a lot of us, has credit card debt and so when someone slid into his Grinder DMs purporting to be a sugar daddy looking for a sugar baby to provide financial assistance to, he said, yes, why not? Let's, you know, sign me up. Let's try this out. Um, this man. Who,
0: I understand. Fair. Fair. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. You know, he thought it was a legitimate relationship. There are legitimate sugar daddy, sugar baby relationships. And he thought that this was definitely one of them. So this man, James. um, said, you know, hey, baby, send me your credit score, and Dalton couldn't produce a report. So James um, asked for his social security number, and Dalton, who now regrets this, obliged. Um, and Dalton also gave over his his bank information, and James legitimately paid off his credit card debt. So Dalton said, this is the real deal. I have a real sugar daddy. And um, And then James started requesting... Dalton do a lot of things he felt uncomfortable with like applying for new credit cards which he did and um also going to the nearest Walmart and buying $1000 worth of Google Play Store gift cards and as Dalton was in the parking lot you know scratching off the codes on these Google Play Store gift cards he realized you know it hit him all at once like this is a scam I need to get out of this I need to block this guy and I need to report it to the FTC right away
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, I I did want to say I checked Grindr when I was in Las Vegas. Slim picking. So, you know, I understand desperate times, desperate measures. But I wanted to ask you how frequent or how common is this particular uh, sugar daddy card, whatever you want to call it, scam on Grindr as a platform?
2: If you look on Reddit, if you look on YouTube, uh, sugar daddy scams have run rampant on the platform and they've definitely been previously reported by by grinder users. So, so I'll say this, if someone is purporting to be a sugar daddy scam, you uh, sh- purporting to be a sugar daddy, you do not need to give them your social security number in order to be their sugar baby.
3: That is what I'm talking
0: about, Nicole. News you can use, I deeply <laughs> appreciate it. But so you just walked us up to when he went to report right. it to the FTC. What happened next?
2: So we went to identitytheft.gov, which is the website designed by the FTC to help people prote- um, to help people protect themselves and also report the fraudulent claim. You essentially need a government issued report saying that um, you've been your identity has been stolen or is at risk of being stolen, so you can hand that over to your bank or your credit card in order to file your fraudulent claim. So, because those two websites were down, Dalton didn't know what to do, and um, he still can't report this this scam to, to the FTC. So his social security number, which is in the hands of, as he said, some weirdo in Texas, um, can be used to file an IRS tax return on his behalf, fraudulently open new lines of credit, um, all sorts of things.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, the story is absurd and kind of crazy, but of course, the implications are very scary. Uh, I and, and we know identity theft happens all the time. So as long as the shutdown goes on, I believe it's 21 days now, are people in this situation like Dalton just totally helpless?
2: no so uh, identity theft is is very very serious and um not being able to to report it absolutely exposes you to more risk but there there are some things that you can do and i talked to an expert who said contact your state attorney general who is the best advocate on your behalf between yourself and the federal government if you need a government-issued report additionally you should go to the three credit reporting agencies like transunion um equifax experian and put a fraud alert on, on your credit report. And basically what, what that'll do is it'll free, freeze your line of credit so no one can open new credit uh, on your behalf and um, ruin your credit score.
1: All right. Wow. Well, news you can use. That's that was like real news. You can, yeah, yeah, like more. Yeah, That was I appreciate up. it. All right, Nicole, as always, thanks for your reporting and for joining us. Thanks so much. And if you are watching AN2DM this morning on Twitter and you are an ethical sugar daddy, my DMs remain open.
0: Some <laughs> Good plug
1: man A seamless
0: plug I really appreciate that But listen Twitter We want to hear from you Let's take it to the timeline Have you ever been The victim of mm. identity theft Tell us using the hashtag am to dm yeah. And just real quick I want to share this one time I, uh, I my, my card all of a sudden Got frozen I okay. called Bank of America Like I was supposed to okay. And they they caught it Which was really yeah. A wonderful experience I was Years ago I was younger I didn't know they could do that They put the money Right back in my account I really appreciated that And I asked the woman like We'd kind of gotten Like jokey over the phone mm-hmm. I was like How'd you get this And she's like Do you really want to know Like, how'd you catch it? She's like, yeah. Uh, I was like, yeah. She was like, uh... No one had ever gone to a grocery store using this credit card before. You've been a member for 10 years. And that's how they they, they (laughs) caught that.
1: I had never been. They were like, Taco Bell, Taco Bell, Taco Bell, Taco Bell. Grocery (laughs) store, nope. (laughs) Nope. Incredible. Well, uh, here's an interesting story from BuzzFeed News reporter Charlie Warzel. He tweeted, I've spent the last few weeks thinking about the numerous privacy disasters, Facebook and the many, many, many others of the last year, and how we really still don't know how to talk about how bad things are
0: he continued I increasingly feel that online privacy is a systemic problem that like say climate change is so overwhelming and glaring that it's hard to adequately
1: talk about leads to either outrage or apathy well Charlie Warzel joins us now from Montana Charlie good morning Hey, happy to be on the fancy
4: Taco Bell of morning shows. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, friends. So uh, of course you think about this so much and so deeply. What exactly is the systemic problem with privacy?
4: So I think that the you know the easiest way to to say it is is that for the past decade, we've been slowly uploading our information. Onto different platforms, either in ways that we that are very you know explicit, like we're entering in our favorite books on Facebook and you know and who our family members are, et cetera, or you know like the smaller ways, like the fact that you know whenever you turn on your phone, you're revealing location data to telecommunications companies and things like that. For mm-hmm. so the last decade, we've really been doing this, whether we're aware or not, and it's all sort of felt like you know, convenience or even just like silly or a game, but you know, the internet is real life and we're realizing that over the, you know, the course of the last few years and these things really do matter. And so basically the disaster is that we're coming to terms with with the fact that we've given up so much of our personal information and now it just kind of floats around the internet and gets transferred from, you know, person to person, shady people, you know, use it to establish profiles about us and, and, and it's, it's really this problem because we basically, things have been bad for for a very long time and we're just starting to realize it. So we're way
0: behind. We're way behind. In your tweet you said it either leads to outrage or apathy. Mm. And I've gotta be honest, I probably fall closer to the apathy side of that scale. Um, is it too late to put this genie back in the bottle? Like I personally, I'm just like, I guess my privacy's ruined. Mm. Is, is it too late to, to, to protect it?
1: Yeah, Axel just tweeted, there's no more privacy on the internet.
0: Yeah, I mean so the there's two different answers to
4: that. Like yes, it's it's too late for the stuff that you've given and and you know, this information again gets passed around in ways that we have literally no idea about. You know, the average person doesn't know how all the, you know, the big long terms of service agreements that you agree to anytime you download an app, anytime you, you know, create a new account for a new website or platform or whatever. Um, all of those things are, are, you know, have all this jargon and and all these agreements and legalese that we just don't read. Uh, So yes, it's too late for that. But what's not too late is to learn how to talk about it and learn how to hold these companies accountable. Uh, Motherboard, the the publication, the technology publication this week, published a huge story about how telecoms companies like AT&T and others were selling our location data without us knowing. They wrote a really big, excellent expose on it, and AT and T has already said uh, that they're going to, you know, reverse their policy not sell location data. So what we can do is we can learn more about this and and start to you know take control and hold people accountable.
1: Something that struck me as you opened your piece talking about that twinning app that everyone, it was like all over the timeline, all over social media where people like post their selfies and then compares you to what ugly celebrity you look like. Um, I was surprised to see, I wasn't surprised to know that they were sharing our data. I, I Like I did not opt into it. I was surprised to see how many people were participating in it when we're in the midst of, as you point out, constant news cycles about privacy and everything. So it seems to me we are Aren't getting smarter about privacy as individuals? I think I think that, that that's
4: mostly true. I mean, the the real issue is that uh, is that what we have to know as citizens of the internet, right, is that everything is a trade off. Um, you know, any really convenient app or any fun, interesting app. There's, there's a, a reason why they're giving this to us for free, right? There, there's something that we are trading for that. Oftentimes, it's access to our data, access to, you know, weird different stuff about, uh, uh, you know, everything that's on our phone. And I think that that is the thing that we all need to just become really, really, cr- like, hyper aware of, which is that the, every single free service has a trade-off. And we have to make those decisions, you know, evaluated in our mind. I want to know what celebrity I look like for sure. Like I was interested, but you also have to say to yourself, like, what is that worth? You know, it does it mean that someone else is gonna have, you know, access to my selfies and my personal photos. So I, I think we just really have to start looking at the internet as you know, this trade-off the same way that we would, you know, something in real life.
0: And if anyone has any feelings about what celebrity Charlie looks like, please feel free to let them know using the hashtag aim to dm Charlie, before we let you go though, I wanted to say one last thing. Congrats at the new job at the New York Times.
1: You bastard. Thank you. Uh, How could you I, do this to
4: us? I, you know, it's BuzzFeed's family a fantastic six years and i i love you guys so
0: well i am I love very very surprised that they're letting you keep the beard um <laughs> but please know just because you're going over there doesn't yes. mean you're not going to be coming on the show
1: okay you got it guys thanks for joining us all right Charlie's so great. I mean, I feel like we have both been at BuzzFeed for about the same time. Oh, by the way, guys, this is the anniversary of my sixth year at BuzzFeed. Right now? Today? Uh, yeah. Congrats. Yeah, for sure. um, but, you know, it's, it's always been a joint. I've learned so much about technology mm-hmm. from Charlie's reporting, and that doesn't end even if he's going to. Do you have the a New celeb, New celeb that you think he looks like? Oh, he totally looks like Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> right? ah, nicely right? done. Nice <laughs> done. All right, well, later this morning, Alex Berg is going to sit down with Lucy Hale and some puppies, I've been told. But up next, it's time for Fire Tweets. <laughs> We have a tweet here from Kirsten and she said, "They're going to be puppies on the show later. Finally, some real entertainment pushing Isaac and Saeed over.
0: Kirsten, <laughs> I thought you liked us. <laughs> I mean, I did the same thing.
1: I get it. All right, let's get into these fire tweets. This first one comes from Alicia. She tweeted, I just remembered the time I was dating a British man. and I'm sorry. And I was annoyed at him about something, so I deliberately made my tea in the microwave while staring him right in the eyes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now here's here's why you couldn't get through that's that. So funny. You couldn't get through. here's why I think that's so funny, especially to you. It's like when you read good literature and it mirrors your own experience, like I can just see you doing this. <laughs> <laughs> See? As it, as the it down. Yep, for the full minute. Oh right, here God. we go. <laughs> Julianne, you tweeted, crazy that every person in front of you at an ATM has never used an ATM before. I mean, <laughs> right? That's true. That's just real. That's so in, in Vegas, I was seeing a lot of that. Oh. You know? Ooh. Yeah, I think they were maybe seeing two or three ATMs. So that was part of the problem. Dark. Yeah.
1: All right, this tweet comes from Ariel... Okay, what was the thing you thought was very fancy as a kid that turned out not to be? Uh, I thought Jägermeister was for sophisticated ladies because my mom sometimes sipped some out of a cordial glass at bedtime. That's... (laughs) That's... <laughs>
0: I, I just like the idea of her being
1: like, oh, yeah, it's
0: it's it's fancy. Pinky out. It's in
1: the, yeah. Pinky out, yeah. And we want to take this one to the timeline, too, because it's a good question out of yeah. that tweet. Uh, what's something you thought was fancy as a kid that turned out not to be? Let us know using the hashtag am to dm Do you have anything? I realized something. Um, uh, salmon croquettes like the like fried salmon croquettes and everything. When my grandmother would make them, I loved. Them. I still do. I loved them. I thought it was the best meal. I thought we were like living like millionaires. I didn't realize it's just like for poor people. Like it's like it's like it's really cheap and easy. It was like second only to like chopped up hot dogs. Oh my god! I was living. Which that was the delicacy
5: in my house. Here we go. <laughs> Eden,
0: you tweeted me and work emails. No worries. Me in my head, fuck, 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 fuck,
1: fuck, 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 That's real. What's funny is that you can also do the, like, as per my last email, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. That's what that means when people say that. That's that's you just looking at the
0: goddamn person, making the eye
1: contact with the T. Goddamn. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. Have you ever sent a a hateful, like, email, like, with a nice code? No.
0: This is my life. Say that's we were just talking about how you were reflected in your t- tweet. Yeah, this is me. This is you. Not just work emails. I'm just like hi, everything's text. great, and then just if
1: you could have like a screed of what's going through my mind, you know. <laughs> my new favorite thing: I recently added Isaac to a group text, which stresses him out um, because it's every, a lot of text. Everyone is in text except for Isaac. Texts really, really fast, and I see Isaac like forty texts. What do I do? What which is do I why do? I feel so good about the iPhone. How you can just like oh, be yeah. like. I love button? Ha, 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 yeah, ha, I, just, ha. I just pop in with like exclamation points and pop out. <laughs> All right, you ready for the tweet of the let's day? Let's do it. Okay, let's go. It comes from Justin. Sleepovers when you're small. Oh my God, stop laughing and go to sleep, you guys. Sleepovers now that we're adults. So I don't think I'm capable of love. Ooh. Oh. Ooh, that's oh. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. You ever just have that? So here's the problem, <laughs> so, <laughs> sobbing. I, I just like, I feel like as adults, you usually only have a sleepover when someone's gotten dumped or fired. And it's like, girl, come over, I'm gonna bring the wine. I don't think gonna... that's the type of sleepover this tweet is talking <laughs> about, Saeed. Oh, okay. Coming up, <laughs> you get to see Alex Berg sit down
0: with Lucy Hale and those puppies we mentioned earlier. But up next, we are going live from the district. It was like an adult <laughs>
1: Welcome back. We are going live from the district with BuzzFeed News White House correspondent Torini Party. Good morning, Torini.
6: Good morning, guys.
1: So we had a question for you. Um, have you ever been to Las Vegas?
6: I've actually been there too many times. Oh. Um, I was there just in November. Um, I went to see the Backstreet Boys. Uh, I should be more embarrassed to admit oh. this, but...
0: You know what they were blasted at? Fancy Taco Bell, Tarini? They were? The Backstreet Boys, because that place is heaven on earth. You ever been to Fancy Taco Bell?
6: I did not. Um, But, you know, I just wanted to relive the 90s, because simpler times...
0: Yeah, that's true. Right? Next time you're there, go to Fancy Taco Bell, my friend. Well listen, here's a tweet from Fidel Martinez. I will. Good, good. The marquee at the historic Cena El Rey in the border city of McAllen, Texas, my hometown, a day before President Trump's visit.
1: Welcome to McAllen, the seventh safest city in America. It was like both polite and shady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Torini, was anything accomplished when Trump visited the southern border yesterday?
6: So nothing was really accomplished. The White House essentially wanted a photo op out of this visit. And that's what they got. They wanted an opportunity for the president to reiterate his talking points that he's been focused on for the last week to 10 days, um, you know, to try to build public support for this wall that he's been pushing. And that's exactly what they did. But in terms of any sort of negotiations or an end to a shutdown, none of that, uh, you know, that visit did none of that.
0: Okay Okay, that visit did none of that. I want to ask how close are we to him declaring it as a national emergency?
6: So uh, the people I've talked to have said this is, you know, declaring a national emergency is essentially the only way out that they see at this point for the president uh, to be able to show his supporters and others that he did push for this wall and he's doing everything he can to get this wall. um, Because at this point, Democrats in Congress are not willing to um, you know, concede it in any way and give him um, any money for this for the wall. So it seems like that is going to be uh, the way out for the president. We also know there's now new reporting um, from yesterday that shows that the president is looking at the Army Corps, um, you know, the the money that's been designated for specifically for disasters. He's looking at some of that money to be used for um, building the wall if he does decide to declare a national emergency. And I just I just
1: I hate to force you to clarify the president's thinking here, but this, this is very surreal to me, right? If, if the way he talks about the wall, he frames it as security, keeping our country safe. So how is Trump, or at least the White House, justifying possibly taking away money that's designed to protect us from natural disasters?
6: I think that's a very good good question. I think the way the White House sees it and the way they have framed the issue is that this is the biggest crisis, the biggest disaster at this point, and that's why they can sort of justify taking those funds for the wall that's, you know, we've been hearing the word crisis over and over again. Um, Obviously, we believe this is a manufactured crisis of sorts from the administration. And the president actually pushed back on that yesterday and said, you know, on TV, I keep hearing you guys call this a manufactured crisis, but it's not. It's a real thing. And obviously, the the visit yesterday was his way of trying to show that the, the crisis that he's been talking about exists. But, um, obviously unclear if he actually managed to do that.
1: Right, and speaking of that, that brings us to the other crisis, the shutdown. Federal workers protested in front of the White House yesterday. Uh, BuzzFeed News reporter Nidhi Prakash was there, and she took this video. And you can hear them just, they basically saying, no more shutdown.
0: Torini, today is the first day about 800,000 federal workers will miss their first paycheck. That's zero dollars. So I want to ask, this is where my head went. Are Congress members still getting paid?
6: So members of Congress are getting paid. However, many of them are rejecting their pay while the government is partially shut down. I think last I checked, the number was up to about 71 or 72 members who have so far said uh, that they're going to not be accepting their usual pay.
1: Wow. I mean, that's not everybody. That's all I'm saying. Right. And and again, um, uh, for Trump, as, (laughs) as someone who ran on a... Supposedly populist platform and always talks about like fighting for the so-called forgotten American How is he justifying at this point to like just his own base almost a million people? Literally going without a check for an entire pay cycle because of his actions. How is he communicating this to his base?
6: So he keeps calling federal workers patriots and people who will be understanding of this shutdown. Um, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of, of the way he's been been framing farmers in this uh, debate about tariffs. Um, farmers obviously have been suffering with this trade war with China, and he's done the same thing with them, calling them patriots and people who will be understanding of the ultimate cause, which is in this case, the wall. Um, So I I think he he thinks that they'll understand. However, he also knows that a lot of federal workers are Democrats and not, you know, not his base. So he, as we know, does lack a certain sense of empathy. Um, You know, when we see him talking about issues, he, he and, and visit, you know, for example, disaster areas, he, he lacks that that sense of empathy that we've seen from presidents. So um, I think from my conversations with, with people close to Trump, they're not really sure if those stories about federal workers not getting paid are actually going to affect him in a way that, you know, would force him to actually come to the table and, and, and come to a deal with Democrats.
0: And I, I want to be very clear here, though. It's not just people getting $0 paychecks, which again is wild. It's also about how this is affecting everyone. We were talking earlier in the show about traffic. Air traffic controllers. Air traffic controllers. Absolutely. And you also have people in the FBI talking about national security and how this is actually going to really start hurting this country. So Tarini, in my head, with a crisis like this, I'm picturing Congress members working through the weekend. White House staff staying up all night. Everyone really making sure that they are focused on this. Is that what's happening?
6: None of that is happening. I mean, you're absolutely right. You would think that this would be, you know, a, a crisis in 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 terms of the shutdown, not not the the border. Uh, enough of a crisis for everyone to come to the table, work through the night, work through the weekend to come to a deal. But we're not seeing any of that. Congress is going home for the weekend. Um, you know, they're they're not staying in D.C. Last weekend, we saw Mike Pence, Vice President Pence, and and some Democratic aides uh, and leaders, you know, try to work out a deal. But at this point, they've they've just realized that that there's no uh, that both sides aren't really willing to give in at all. They're both dug in at this point. And uh, a deal seems um, kind of impossible at, at this point.
1: Yeah, um, but wait, it gets worse. It always gets worse. Here's a tweet from Zoe Tillman that made Isaac and I literally scream. Lawsuits are stacking up over the government shutdown as the feds try to calculate how much they owe in damages to federal employees affected by the shutdown in 2013. In 2013, and to be clear, people watching remember that there were three shutdowns last year. So, Tarini, what the fuck? What are we going to do?
6: There are. There have been a lot of shutdowns. You are right. And yes, these federal workers are um, suing, saying that, you know, they shouldn't have to work without pay. And that violates the, the Fair Labor Standards Act. So um, but, you know, as you mentioned, in 2013, there was a similar case. And even though it was decided in favor of federal workers, the federal agencies are still trying to figure out how much they owe these federal workers. So even if this gets resolved, you know, even if there's a deal and the government reopens, this is sort of a long process for federal workers to get back pay.
1: Wow. All
0: right. And I I just want to say this very clearly. If I am a smart, young person looking to go for looking for a job, hoping to work at a really wonderful or fantastic company or let's say the government Mm. you want to expect regular pay so I'm just thinking about all the young people out there thinking you know what I don't want to work for the government that's not going to be a steady paycheck I'm going to go into the private sector this is literally hurting our country and it upsets me but Tarini thank you so much for joining us this morning thanks guys thank you Tarini up next, it is time, finally. You guys are all excited about it. You're all talking about it. Saeed and I are going away. Alex, Bur- Alex <laughs> Berg sits down with Lucy Hale and the puppies. I'm excited about the I, I am, know. too. Stay tuned.
1: That's on you. You know it.
7: Welcome back. Now you know her from Pretty Little Liars, Life Sentence, and Truth or Dare, and she's about to star in a remake of Fantasy Island. I'm joined by Lucy Hale, welcome. Hi, thanks. Thank you so much for joining me. In a look, this suit. Well, I mean, just trying to
5: keep up with you. Look (laughs) at your
7: boots, so good. Okay, well listen, let's jump right into it. You have a lot on your plate. You've partnered with Honey Nut Cheerios. You're gonna do some good work for the ASPCA, and we're gonna get into all of it. But yes, but I wanna start off with fantasy. Island. Yeah. Uh, I have seen some of the 70s series. Were you familiar with it before
5: signing on for this movie? I was aware that it It was wildly popular and was like commercially just huge. Um, I haven't seen, I need to go and obviously watch it before we start filming, but what we're doing is we're, it was, oh, I hear the puppies. (laughs) Um, We're taking, it was a very lighthearted, fun show and we're doing a very dark, dark twisted, messed up version of that. So um, we will be shooting on an island, which will be fun. And uh, yeah, it should be a great time. I'm excited.
7: So, can you tell us? Are you, is your character a guest on the island? Do you know anything about her
5: fantasies? I do. Like I'm like so nervous to always talk about it, but I'll I'll, tr- I'll give you some some details. So yeah, it follows guests. You get chosen to. It's like a lottery. You get chosen to go to the island. Very few people get to go here, and anything you want, your wildest dreams can come true. So obviously, on the '70s show, it was very lighthearted. Like, ooh, I get to. Make out fantasy. with my crush yeah. or whatever. But this is, you know, things go very wrong. People die. Um, yeah. That happens. <laughs> it's very vague. So but,
7: you, you, yeah. have to, you have to keep quiet about what's going to happen. Right. If, if you could go to Fantasy Island yourself oh, and man. live out of fantasy, have you thought about that at all?
5: Oh, my God. I just, like, want to know what... What one day in the life of Oprah would be like? That sounds like something that I would really be into. Um, I would also right? love that. I would also just yeah.
7: like to be in proximity of, of her. Oprah. For yeah. A day. Like my my fantasy is to be in the
5: same room as Oprah. Yeah. yeah.
7: Well, I want to talk about another show with enduring themes and a fandom, Pretty Little Liars. I don't think I've heard of it. You Haven't heard of it. No. But let me uh, jog <laughs> your memory. It's been uh, about a year and a half, right? Since you yeah, know, about last, two years. Yeah, last on the show. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, what has it been like? Uh, you know, moving on to the kind of the next chapter of your career, coming from a show that you know where you've talked candidly about it, really gave you a great springboard. Yeah, um, and from such a well-known character.
5: Yeah, I, it's been, you know, it, we spent years and years on that show, and um, and nine months out of the year too. So it was it was almost constant for all of my twenties. So it's been an adjustment, like um, moving on to other things. But I really feel like that show just really trained and prepared us for other moves we're making in our career, but I definitely have days where I'm like, you know what, I miss those guys, I miss playing that character, I miss that show. But um, it's sort of one of those shows that I feel like will follow me everywhere, and it's a, a good quality problem to have, but um, you know, they're doing a spinoff, and you can binge watch it on Pretty Little Li- Hello, my name is <laughs> Oh, You can binge watch it on Netflix. So it's like a show that I feel like will always kind of be around in some way. Yeah. So you yeah.
7: mentioned, uh, you know, it's a
5: good problem to have exactly. that, that people want to talk yeah. about it. Do you ever get tired of talking about it? Um, I should say no, but sometimes yeah, because <laughs> no, I usually get tired of. Having to dodge questions because people would obviously always want info, and we were being told off off camera that we can't say we can only say X, Y, and Z. So we got really we had to get really creative on how we would answer questions. Yeah, that sounds very tricky. I would, I would leak stuff accidentally, and people would get upset, so people just stopped telling me things eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, speaking of a fandom, um, it seems
7: like people obsess over your every move, I mean, even down oh. to when you step out of the door in the morning. Oh. And, um, and we have some uh, recent stories about you. I want to read some of these headlines. I'm really nervous. Quote, Lucy Hale is spotted picking up her pampered pooch Elvis from a doggy spa in Los Angeles. Well, they
5: make me sound so cool. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, really it not like that. Sounds
7: like your pampered pooch Elvis, Elvis, Elvis is, definitely, is living the life. He really is spoiled rotten. Living oh. the dream. Yeah. And then we have this other one. Lucy Hale flashes her abs as she joins from her co star <laughs> and his girlfriend <laughs> for a workout. I mean, what is it like living I mean, this life? Jason's going to love this. People are going to make, you know, where people come up with headlines just when you're doing your day-to-day kind of thing?
5: I don't, I don't, like I try so hard to avoid that whole part of my life because it makes me mental. Like, I, whether it's pictures or things that aren't true, I just kind of try to avoid it at all costs. So these headlines are news to me. They're not even really exciting. (laughs) I mean, they're just you. At least it's not like Lucy stumbling out of a club. Like, those are pretty PG rated. So, yeah.
7: I mean, you've you've been in the spotlight. You've been acting for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's the one year anniversary of the Time's Up movement. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, just over the duration of your career, now that it is such a big conversation we're having about, you know, misconduct and, and
5: boundaries. Have you seen any kind of evolution on the sets that you've been on? Definitely. I think that people are obviously way more aware, and I think I think it's amazing that all these people are continually, even a year later, are still stepping up and sharing their stories, because it really is a ripple effect. You hear one story, it encourages you, or it helps you want to talk to a friend, or whatever it is, and I think that that um, um, and especially, I just, sh- women making strong, bold choices are happening more and more. And I definitely think it's because of, of this movement, and um, I'm excited to see what happens in a year from now. It's really cool to be um, in Hollywood during this time.
7: Yeah, it's really exciting to yeah. see
5: all of these changes happening, all of these yeah, it's conversations.
7: It's totally empowering. Right. And you mentioned uh, women making bold moves. And so I want to <laughs> talk about your partnership with Honey Nut Cheerios. Yeah. You're raising money for the ASPCA. Tell me about this.
5: Right. I. It's pretty surreal. I mean, I grew up eating Honey Nut Cheerios and seeing people on the box, so um, to my family this is the coolest thing I've ever been a part of, <laughs> but uh, I partnered with them for the Good Rewards program, which is um, I got to choose any charity and I chose the ASPCA, which is helping um, animals across the U.S. And so the whole program is you um, you buy a box of cereal, then you go to BEGoodRewards.com, you scan the buzz coin, and you choose a team, there are three teams, uh, Gronk, Michael B. Jordan, and myself. So preferably, I would like everyone to choose Team Lucy. What's up? And I'm currently in second place, so I'm really upset about it. I'm a sore loser, so I need people. Who's in first place? Michael B. Jordan. Rude. I mean, obviously, but <laughs> it, rude. <laughs> rude. But so you can choose. You can choose a team. Scan your Buzzcoin, and whoever gets in first place, um, hundred thousand dollars goes to their charity of choice. And yours yeah, is the ASPCA. The ASPCA. And we have some guests. We here. have some special guests, yeah. right? And their names are Fluff and Frozen. Oh I believe This is Frozen goodness. and Dishes. Frozen. This is Frozen. Frozen. Hi, he looks oh thrilled. God. You are so. I mean, sweet. how could you not give oh me all God. your buzzcoin? I know. With these right, little with these, guys. With these little guys. I just want to be the crazy dog lady when I get older. Or now. I just only want to, I just want to buy all the dogs. I think these are already adopted or I might actually Oh, I was was going to ask
7: if these are adopted. Yeah. Um, I think
5: they came from Mississippi. Oh my God! Look how, you guys, it's a big moment.
7: How did you get interested in the ASPCA and also activism around animals?
5: I've honestly, I wanted to be a vet growing up. I've just always loved, loved, loved animals and I think that, Obviously, these guys don't have a voice, and the ASPCA is the leading voice for animals, and um, I don't know. I was staying out there. I was like, I like dogs more than people. <laughs> um, yeah, I've just always been an animal person, and this dog really often cute. they get neglected. Sure, so. just take a little later. Yeah, it's just like, I'm going to take a little nap.
7: Um, I wish that we had them yeah. out here during every single interview, right? because they're just so calming and better. So sweet. I might be on the same page as you as uh, loving some furry friends. I know, a little bit more so... Than, you
5: know, the humans. You're so sweet. I, I tweeted the other day that it would be so funny if we all walked around talking in the voices we talk to animals. Because mine would be like this. You <laughs> so should be like this. Oh, here it is. Can you give a little oh, a tweet? Funny. Yeah, can you give yeah. us
7: a little, uh, another little demo of. Yeah, how my you name would is dog- Lucy and I really yes. want you to give me your bush coin. <laughs> sometimes when. I, <laughs> I have cats and sometimes I wonder. Are you a cat person? I, so I'm actually okay. a dog person. I just happen to own some yeah. cats. Um, and sometimes I'm like, they must think that I'm just off the wall when
5: I try to talk to them all the time. I, and I often think about what my dog's voice would sound like if he were a human oh I feel like goodness. he would sound remember that cartoon Doug funny yeah Doug yeah. He would be Doug. He would be like. Doug. Your dog would be Doug. Or like Tommy from Rugrats. Oh my goodness. Those are yeah. two very good picks.
7: But listen, Yay. um I could stay here forever talking All day. about pet voices <laughs> and these sweet little puppies, but I know you gotta get a move on. Yeah. So thank you so thank much you for so joining much. me. Yeah. And you can go to begoodrewards.com to find out more about how you can help Lucy help the ASPCA and pups like these. I mean, come on, look at this face. <laughs>
8: They're so
0: sweet. Welcome back. The Root tweeted, the first trailer for the black girl magic-filled film Little Dropped, making 14-year-old Marseille Martin the youngest executive producer in the history of Hollywood. Joining me now is Chantal Rochelle, head of BuzzFeed's Cocoa Butter, to talk about Marseille's movie debut and this historic fact
3: that this young kid's out here kicking so much butt. So much butt.
0: It's wild. Okay, I've watched the trailer three times already, but for those that don't know, what's the premise of the film?
3: Yes, okay, so first of all, this is such a great film. So the film follows the story of Jordan played by the iconic Regina Hall. Mm -hmm. And Jordan is basically like a evil, rude, mean boss. Think of Miranda from Devil Worlds Prada. Got so it. basically, she terrorizes her entire office, and her assistant, played by Issa Raya April, has to carry the brunt of all of that. Do this, do that. So basically, a young girl in the office basically says, I wish you were a kid again. So leave it, leave and behold, she turns and wakes up as a young girl and played by that iconic Marseille Martin. I mean, the girl is just unstoppable. It
0: looks like she's having so much fun. Yeah. Now, listen, that I, I'm a little bit older, I'm gonna age myself a little bit here. That does remind me, it almost seems like a real- reversal of Tom Hanks big
3: yeah we get a little feel for that I'd mm-hmm. say it's more 17 again because it's like Ooh. adult going to child so mm-hmm. when you had Matthew Perry turning into Zach Efron from 17 again mm-hmm. so we haven't seen that as much so from the adult turning into the child but we, and we also haven't seen that in a black cast So this is really dope we have a really cool twist on it
0: and there was like even a little nod to that in yeah, the trailer right exactly. what's the line it was like uh so, I,
3: I forgot that the one to 17 again
0: yeah no, no 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 in the trailer for little I yeah. feel like she's like only white people Oh yeah! Exactly! Exactly! Exactly. Well, listen. Here's a tweet from O Jade. This queen fired her agent who didn't support her idea and said she should just take a break and chill. Now she's a lead and executive producer in an upcoming film with two other black powerhouses. Give her her coin. Sis, I'll take five tickets. a queen. So why did Marseille fire her agent? What's the story there? First
3: and foremost, Marseille knows her worth at such a young age Mm. her agent basically told her to take a break, take, take some time off. Marseille was like, no! Like, I have this vision, I have this goal, and I want to get this done. And so what she did was say, "Hey, I don't want this person as my age anymore." I went to her parents, and they let her go. And so then she got the support she needed and deserved. And a queen knowing her worth at ten, hello? Where where was that confidence at ten for me? I just love that she knows who she is at such a young age.
0: I won't lie, I was not writing scripts at the age of ten. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't. no, 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 no. Yeah. no you need I was bruising
3: my knees. And yeah, yeah, I was
0: definitely. Yeah, yeah I was maybe like yeah. writing some like really bad poetry yeah. or something like that. <laughs> All right, listen, producer Tracy Oliver tweeted this. True story. I went into Universal to do a joint pitch with a then 11-year-old Marseille, just like you were saying, for this movie that she dreamt up. So young, but so confident. Way more than me. Thank you for the honor of writing this movie. Proud of you, girl. So how did this movie, you were just saying, and how did it take three years to come to fruition?
3: Well, basically, you know, Kenya Barris who created and produced an EPs on Blackish, which Marseille stars on, she took the idea to him as well, and so he's good friends with Will Packer, the powerhouse the Packer Production Studios, and so he was all on board, loved it, and they basically had to pitch it and really flesh it out, get the writer on board, get the director on board, the director by Tina Gordon, who's hilarious and so, so good at what she does, and Tracy Oliver, who actually wrote Girls Trip, that Power Packer produced, and so just amazing group of people coming together, written, pitched, directed by all black women.
0: And that's what I love to see. When I saw that the director was a woman as well, that made me so happy. So listen, we know how Twitter's reacting to this. We are stoked. How's Hollywood reacting?
3: Hollywood is so stoked for this as well. You know, her, her entire Blackish cast is supporting her Anthony Anderson, Tracy Ellis Ross, Yara Shahidi know Wait is supporting. Everyone is just so excited for her. Amazing young girl. The youngest EP in history. Like She is on her way to do such amazing things. I'm so excited to see her star continue to rise. I mean, listen, 10 years from now, she might be our, all of our bosses. So.
0: Absolutely. And hey, listen, I'm buying tickets okay, too. Let's I'm clap it up it. for her. I feel yes. like, let's clap
7: it up. Let's yeah. get, some, let's get sure. some cheers going on yeah. for her because I am
0: very mm-hmm. excited for her. What a wonderful yes. young yeah. talent. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Chantal. I, mean, I I love that shirt. Thank you. Nice job. All right, tell us, uh, using the hashtag A to DM if you're excited about little and why and stay tuned we've got more aim to DM in just a moment
1: seriously All right, here's a tweet from Tommy O'Bara who is wonderful. Shannon Keating does a great job connecting the dots between Ellen's current distrust of press and obsession with excusing, forgiving her famous friends, and her lingering resentment over the homophobia she experienced coming out 20 years ago right on her show on TV. Well, BuzzFeed News LGBT editor Shannon Keating joins me now to talk about her piece on Ellen and what she calls the limits of relatability. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for writing this. I remember watching her come out, you know, on TV in, Mm -hmm. what, like, 1998. It was a huge moment for me. And as you mentioned in the piece, seeing the blowback she experienced Mm -hmm. was formative. So, but let's fast forward to 2016. You opened talking about the moment President Obama presented her with the Medal of Freedom. Why was that so significant in Ellen's life story?
8: I mean, that, I think, for Ellen was, like, the culmination of so many years of struggle mm-hmm. to triumph. Mm-hmm. It was you know, a year after the Supreme Court assured marriage equality, right. and I think by Obama awarding her with that medal, mm-hmm. he was really kind of directly linking mm-hmm. Ellen to that lineage of gay public figures who were able to make mm-hmm. lesbianism in particular, but gayness in general, more palatable to the mainstream, right. helped make the general public more comfortable with gay mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And I think for Ellen, I mean, who, I mean, both Obama and Ellen were very emotional, giving the medal, there were tears. I mean, it was, I think, also a very emotional moment for, for people watching because, I mean, this was just kind of Ellen as a symbol of, of gay normalcy right. and Obama awarding her for being able to make that Possible. So accessible yeah. to other
1: people. Yeah. And again, you know, when she came out, I remember the Yep I'm Gay cover, and of course, she her character came out on her sitcom at the time, Ellen, mm-hmm. to Laura Dern. I forgot that Laura Dern yes. was in that, that scene with her. Um, but the reception was, was not good. So I think it's important to explain for people who've maybe mm-hmm. we now take for granted that Ellen is a household name and everything. But her career almost was destroyed. It was. So how yeah. did she how did she go through that experience?
8: So Ellen, on her sitcom, mm-hmm. uh, she had spent four seasons, four years, without dating anyone. Mm-hmm. And then she started— So her character
1: had no romantic Her character had no
8: romantic relationships. And then she really started to encourage her executives. I want to be true to myself. When I come out, I want my character to come out, too. She came out in season four to Laura Dern. And then in the fifth season, her character was out. Mm-hmm. She was a gay person, so started, you know— Dating some women, mm-hmm. as you do when yeah. you're gay. Uh, <laughs>
1: it's something that yeah, happen. it
8: happened, uh, and the show just totally blew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, ABC stopped promoting it as much, right. uh, and they ended up canceling it at the end of the fifth season. Uh, people, including other LGBT advocates like Chaz Bono, mm-hmm. were uh, kind of criticizing Ellen for being too gay. Even
1: Elton John was like, Elton okay, John said, said "Yes, too gay." It.
8: Like, Whoa. just by her showing the realities mm-hmm. of her life mm-hmm. in her sitcom. Uh, she has this crazy interview with Diane Sawyer who's like who's like all right this episode is gay, this episode is gay. Yeah, she gay. literally
1: counts all literally of the gay, gay Literally
8: yeah, like oh this much? yeah, like is this too gay, do yeah. you think? Like 13 out of 21 episodes? Is right. this too gay?
1: Crazy. So yeah. here's the thing, here's the thing. You would think I can see a scenario in which you go, okay, someone who had this experience, homophobia literally almost derailed her yeah. career and she climbed her way back up to the top, and now it's like, oh my god, we know where's Ellen who likes mm-hmm. to dance and is quote relatable. Um there's a scenario in which that person responding to Kevin Hart and his mm-hmm. anti-gay jokes has a very different when you go, like, yeah. homophobia, homophobia, not okay. But instead, of course, she invited him on her show recently mm-hmm. and, you know, really supported him and threw him softball questions. So yeah. how do we get from there to here?
8: I I think that um, from the kind of research that I did, mm-hmm. from her interviews and uh, the guests that she had on over the past 20 years, I think that Ellen has come to a position where she spent so long trying to convince the public that she actually is a relatable person. Just like you. I'm just like you. Like, you know, I'm married. I'm not, you know, doing anything crazy, too Mm -hmm. gay, Mm -hmm. too weird. Not too sexy. Not too sexy. Just, like, very kind of downplayed, very almost kind of, like, neutered. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just...
1: I mean, I always thought of, I've always thought of Ellen as like kind of like the white picket fences image. Very totally. much aligned very with, much like, like, gay people, we just want to get married and have two kids yes, and a dog. Yes, like
8: homonormative would be, like, totally. the academic way of, yeah. of putting it. And I think that after fighting so long to be like, oh, I'm just like you, gay people are just like you, I think there was a moment where she almost switched to thinking about how she as a celebrity is now misunderstood mm-hmm. and how her feelings about that once were about you know, other gay people being attacked, now that she's kind of been so insulated in her celebrity bubble, mm-hmm. that when she sees the press coming for her mm-hmm. famous friends, mm-hmm. that seems to be where her f- first line of defense is. Because mm-hmm. I think that she has tried to almost desensitize us to her gayness for so long mm-hmm. that I think her c- celebritiness status almost seems to have become more of her primary person and and you
1: describe the relatability almost as a prison of her own making so for people who are like i still don't get it it's almost Mm -hmm. like Uh, after going through an experience where everyone in media, I mean, obviously people should read her piece to get the details, but when she came out, everyone in media was going after her Mm -hmm. in such a homophobic, vitriolic, sexist way. So maybe now when she says to Kevin Hart, you know, people who are criticizing you are just haters, Mm -hmm. it's almost like that's the memory that she's kind of drawing.
8: Yeah, I think Mm. so. And I I think that that for her, you know, she's been doing this talk show for a long time. She's thinking about possibly quitting in 2020, but Mm. like, and she talks about in her new comedy special, like, never really wanted to dance, Mm. but now everyone keeps asking me to dance. Like, oh, everyone thinks I'm the be kind girl. I can never make any mistakes. Mm -hmm. Like, you see that she's almost kind of like, wow, what have I gotten myself into? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet, and yet she's still kind of chugging along. Like, yeah. you can almost see that, like...
1: And, you know, one of the wealthiest celebrities in the country. Yeah,
8: so that would probably be maybe a little yeah. hard to, to yeah. give that lifestyle up. But you almost see at the end of her daytime talk show career how these things are all kind of coming to a head yeah. for her.
1: Yeah. Well, I, Shannon, I just really appreciated your piece. Just as a reader, I mean, I've, I've always kind of wondered about this in Ellen and how does this all work, and I was confused by the way she embraced Kevin Hart, and now I think I understand it a little better, so thank you. Thank you Again, Steve. you can read that piece from Shannon. She's the editor of BuzzFeed LGBT know her. All right. Later in the show, Isaac, we're going to read more of your tweets. Isaac and I, I'm still jet lagged.
0: Jesus. <laughs> Welcome back. I just remembered it's Friday and I oh, am God. thrilled. I am oh, so thrilled. Congrats oh boy. to everybody. Whew. Well, listen, we asked for your juiciest Las Vegas stories mm. and Bill Potts says, not juicy because I'm a lady and a scholar and boring. But I had a delightful time seeing Stevie Wonder last August. Mm. Ooh, very nice. Right
1: on, right on. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen Lady Gaga. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, I next time
1: I go, we'll take in a show. We're not going back to Vegas. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I think we are. Oh, God. Okay, we asked you if you've ever been the victim of identity theft. Blazion FMA, you said, uh, someone stole my credit card information. They bought a bunch of skis, snowboard, and camping gear from a store in Portland. Amex thought, caught that real quick <laughs> that's funny uh, i was happy but felt low key profile dragged me but you're right ain't no black people okay stop it but, i mean <laughs> he, he cut it up if he, there were a lot of charges for skiing gear on my account i'm sure my bank would step it, in too. and be like wait it uh, is a kind minute. Of, i mean it's funny we, we were talking about privacy and everything and figuring out like what information is being surveilled and it's kind of funny that identity theft in some way depends on banks like being aware of like our patterns and our Oh no
0: absolutely that's the next step in the Bank of America story, yeah. when I was on the phone with that woman, she literally went as far as to say, yes, because it wasn't a liquor store. And at that point, <laughs> I felt very, very red. She was like, Whole Foods, no. Liquor stores, you've got a lot of those. Anyways, we wanted to know something you thought was fancy as a kid. Mm. Princess Leia tweeted, I thought soy decaf mochas were super fancy growing up. It's just so luxurious sounding. Really, my mom had kicked a nasty caffeine addiction, loved chocolate, and hated having bubble guts. From
1: milk. That's so funny. That's also... And I I saw some people replying with like restaurants and definitely when I was a kid, I, and still do, I still love it, but Red Lobster was like... Yeah, Olive Garden. The
0: peak. I had a a friend, like a friend's family brought me... To my first Olive Garden experience Mm -hmm. for like my birthday, Mm -hmm. and I was like, now I've really made it. I felt like I jumped a class. (laughs) Like I was
1: like, now I'm in the big time. (laughs) Okay. Also, I have one more important note. Um, Following our interview with Lucy Hale and those two beautiful puppies, uh, we are campaigning here to get a dog. Oh really? Uh, so I've already tweeted his information, but our showrunner's name is Patrick McMenamin. <laughs> Feel free to tweet him all day, all night. He might even have open. DM, I'm about just... to be a real dad about this. Are you gonna
0: walk him? Sure. Are you gonna make sure I the puppy's fed? Dog. You're gonna, I want you're gonna a walk dog. him. Yeah, you, it's gonna be your
1: responsibility. <laughs> we can name him #Hashtag. Oh, that's really good. Oh my God, I can't say shit to that. We got it. Patrick just said in my ear, "That's pretty good." Oh my God, a little dog named Ash. It's very good. Oh my God. Anyway, thank you for harassing Patrick on our behalf, and thank you to our guests today: Nicole Wynn, Charlie Warzel, Tarini uh, Tarini Party, Lucy Hale, Alex Berg, Chantel Rochelle, and Shannon Keaton. That was a wonderful conversation, and that piece is amazing. You should read it. So good.
0: Next week we have Haley Joel Osment, Molly Ringwald, Pete Holmes, and Annie Murphy from Shits
1: Creek. Look at that lineup. I am very excited. That is a famous group of white people. I'm really excited about <laughs> Alexis from Schitt's Creek. I'm excited to talk to her. All right, friends, I'm gonna go home and get in bed. Uh, have a great weekend. We will see you Monday at 10 a.m. Enjoy your weekend. Whoa, Thank look guys. at that. It's oh,
0: Friday. Oh, cute. <laughs> that is cute. Like, I can do it. I'm, I'm like, How do you have so much energy. time to do that? Wow. <laughs>